Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Ancient Africa podcast. It's a pleasure to have you this morning on this somewhat slightly windy day over here. Um, But nonetheless, that will not deter us from continuing. Now, in this particular segment, I want to focus on the different uh, aspects uh, that we see within the ever-changing Africa, its impact on the world at large, and the sentiments of, of fear that is quickly surging throughout the Western Hemisphere of a new emerging Africa. Now, in recent times, Africa has been the center of many attention uh, in many instances, in many regards. Um, One of the first being is that of poverty. Um, The main image of Africa that is projected across the Western world is that of poverty, uh, that it constantly is in need and it somehow survives by way of the Western world uh, assisting and giving it aid. But if we delve a little deeper, uh, you can see that this is nothing more than just um, a projected propaganda that is perpetrated within Western media. What do I mean by that? If we take our minds back to colonial Africa, for example, we understand that uh, large quantities of Africa's wealth and resources was extracted and essentially stolen and taken to uh, Western countries to stabilize their economies, to improve their infrastructure and to develop. Large quantities of gold was taken, not bought large quantities of natural resources and minerals were extracted and um, indefinitely taken not to mention her arts and her artifacts raided and stolen in effect films were done about this films like Raiders of the Lost Ark Tomb Raider Uh, you know they don't actually even hide (laughs) their intentions or their intent within such titles so I'm not sure um, this isn't the main emphasis of what I'm getting to I'm just trying to paint the picture of um, how Africa has been viewed but in essence her wealth was stolen in order to empower uh, the countries of other nations So, bring it into more modern times. Um, We have seen a a need and a surge amongst many Africans uh, to escape this poverty trench that they have been placed in. Because it's all by design, essentially. So, for years, Uh, Many African leaders have been uh, reaching out and, you know, talking in various summits and various meetings 
explaining of the situation that many African countries are in <laughs> due to poverty, due to massive inflation rates, massive unemployment rates, poor infrastructure, and there's been an outcry for many decades to uh, make improvements. So as Africa came out of colonialism, one of the first or the first black African country to gain independence, as we know, was Ghana. Uh, this happened in 1957, as we all know. And its leader at the time was Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. And he obviously spearheaded and led Africa, or so to say, West uh, Ghana, uh, to its independence. Um, now, one of the first countries to come to Ghana's aid was Russia. Russia gave out uh, millions in loans and uh, in, um, in um, help and aid to assist Ghana on its new venture of independence. Obviously, being a brand new country in terms of self-governance, coming out of the yoke of colonialism, Ghana had many things to learn. And as a result, unfortunately, funds were mismanaged, uh, you know, bad investments were made, and essentially, uh, Nkrumah's vision of, he wanted a united Africa. Um, you know, in the midst of this, he took a trip uh, away to handle some business and upon his return there was civil unrest a coup had started um, and um, his vision and his dream of trying to form or formulate a united Africa uh, got diverted or distracted now many theories have arisen as to why that happened and I'm not going to get into the theories what I want to get into is the, the journey of of what we are or of where I'm trying to go with with this uh, particular segment so soon after that other African nations started to come into independence and the moment this started to happen um, being new countries themselves the same sort of uh, blueprint started to replicate itself in terms of mismanagement of funds uh, you know this is something they've never done before this was new and then you have greed and obviously corruption <laughs> where funds were not evenly distributed throughout the countries and it created immense poverty um, a sort of like an extreme dynamic of extreme poverty and uh you know, wealth started to occur. Since these times into modern times now, in various summits, in very global, various global summits, Africa has been, you know, reaching out and trying to uh, reach out for assistance in strengthening uh, Africa's um, financial circumstances. But I want to point out, like I said in the beginning, many of Africa's resources and wealth was taken in order to create 
wealth and stability in other countries. So essentially you could look at it as in terms of the aid and the assistance that the West had given to Africa, the West only acquired that from taking from Africa in the first place. So the very concept of African debt comes into question. So putting that to one side for a moment, um, aside from civil unrest, we've seen um, uh, you know, civil wars and the likes of that. So Africa's had a tough time, you know, but in recent times, we obviously have had uh, the BRICS, which you're all aware of. The BRICS, which have brought a sense of um, hope and encouragement um, to Africa and other developing countries across the world. And for the first time, like I covered in the previous segment, African countries have been able to sell their commodities and their raw materials at global market rates. Something that wasn't happening in, re- in prior that. You know, many Western nations have been striking deals with the African continent in purchasing uh, commodities and in some instances literally stealing commodities, getting them at little to nothing to strengthen and empower their, their, their countries. And if we look at the span of time since, uh, you know, let's take for example Ghana's independence in 1957, to date, we can clearly see that it hasn't developed as it should have been, had it have been selling and trading at the correct global rates, had it have been getting the assistance it needed to build and reinforce its infrastructure, it should be a lot more further progressed. That's not to say that it hasn't developed in its time of independence, that's not to say that. But we have seen many things fall to the wayside um, due to a lack of support and help. For example, Ghana once had uh, a railway system and a train service. You know, I remember in my mother's time when she was young, you know, she saw uh, Ghana when it had a railway system, when it had a national bus service, for example. And due to, you know, inflation and due to, you know, mismanagement and, you know, some mistakes in decisions, we no longer have a railway system. And to this day, if you go to Ghana, you'll see the tracks, the railway tracks of once we once had. I understand there is a plan to to reintroduce a railway uh, a railway and within Ghana, but that is still yet to be uh, done. Now, I say all this to say that um, you know Africa has uh, many times stressed the need to improve uh, these things within Africa and the reason why it's in the situation it's in is primarily due to the West and Western foreign policy. There is a strong sense that the intent is to keep Africa poor in exactly the position it needs so that the the ball can continue of Western nations extrapolating and extracting 
Africa's minerals and resources. And if we look prior heavy China, Chinese intervention, there hasn't been much improvement. Now, like I covered in my last segment, since uh, China has been more involved within Africa, I would say for at least, let's focus on the main, say, 20 years now, but to really focus in on this, if we really zoom in, let's say for the past 10 years, China has been able to create a situation where it's done more for Africa than the West has been able to do in 100 years. This tells you that the West had no intention, no intentions whatsoever of strengthening and reinforcing African economies. This coupled with the instrument of sanctions has indefinitely placed Africa in a position of need. When Africa has, in reality, Africa has everything she needs already. And the West know this all too well. As we know, with the emergence of the BRICS, which was established in 2009, which com- composed of or comprised of the countries Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, their main goal is to strengthen uh, economies, improve infrastructure boost agriculture, offer protection through military, and generally, and the main thing, is to not be governed by the dollar. Those are its main aims. And we have seen the BRICS make various steps in doing this, as many of the BRICS nations have been making purchases, particularly in uh, petroleum or oil in their respective currencies something which goes against the main agreement that was established of purchasing oil in the petrodollar we have seen a shift in this ethos which in turn has been a heavy blow to America and I've covered this in many segments so I'm just going to skim on that on this particular segment so African nations can clearly see that the West has not been showing not much interest in offering its assistance to improve these circumstances because it's not in the West, West's interest to do so because if that was to happen Africa would not be reliant on the West. <laughs> but unfortunately for the Western nations due to the emergence of the BRICS and they can see the improvement that China has been making within Africa. Coupled with Russian assistance, they have now positioned themselves to not really need the West at all because Africa is quite self-sustaining. It has everything it needs within within its continent. And the West are very much aware of this. And this has bred a surge in Western fears and concerns of not only the rise of African nations realizing this, but 
China's presence within Africa is beginning to be viewed as a threat to many Western nations. Now this was touched upon in a recent uh, address from the President of the EU, Ursula von der Leyen, on the 13th of September, where she expressed to African leaders that Europe wants to offer its assistance, that Europe wants to create jobs, strengthen infrastructure and create opportunities of employment. If you could see the looks on the faces of the African leaders, you could clearly see that they were unimpressed by this. Now why is that? This is largely down to the fact that for years, decades, African leaders have been has been stressing and been and been explaining their needs and their concerns which has been pretty much been falling on dead ears so now we see with the introduction of the BRICS and many of Africa's concerns are now being addressed and implemented and executed the West now realizes that it has come a little too late and also, unfortunately for them, Africa doesn't have very good memories of the West. Of course, we know that it's, it has a history of colonialism, oppression, tyranny, and slavery. This obviously went on for centuries. So Africa doesn't have the trust in the West it hasn't got that reassurance from them so you can not be surprised why African leaders would not take uh, the EU's president's uh, comments serious they won't take it seriously because of the, of the back history that they have with the West now for a large period of modern you could say uh, in modern times the West has a history of operating in fear in fear of other nations rising in fear of other countries improving its circumstances it generally operates on the premise of fear it has, it has always done this you know we had uh, you know this sort of ethos of fear has led them to create systems to suppress and to control countries and technically essentially keep them in their place now when you create such systems to forcibly suppress entire countries that is deemed to that would be doomed to fail because there is no group of people or persons who would opt to be suppressed indefinitely no one's going to agree to be suppressed indefinitely that doesn't make any sense whatsoever the very basis of you being a sentient being and a free person would be to rise and stand against suppression so there's no way you could create a system and expect that to stand forever if you're just going to create a system based upon the suppression of other 
of other people it's simply it's not sustainable it's only a matter of time before such systems collapse years ago we had the the fear of, of communist countries rising up and that was referred to as the domino theory where they were scared that as each uh, nation returned to communism would in turn influence the other and so on and so on and so on thus enabled the domino theory now many third world countries not just Africa many third world countries have been under the control and the suppression of western nations and its main implement or instrument is debt by creating a system of debt it can essentially keep countries in control keep them in their place without developing without progressing and place them in a perpetual state of need the BRICS recognize this and is slowly uncogging that mechanism and this is an immense threat to the West as expressed by Yusla von der Leyen in her recent address to African members or leaders on September 13th of 2023 so they're aware of this they are they are fully aware things were done or attempted to be addressed during such times like the Cold War you know where uh, you had the two major superpowers that being Russia or at the time the Soviet Union or CCCP at the time and then you had the United States of America two opposing countries one communist one democratic now there were many nations who didn't want to be a part of either of that and just expressed the will to just be neither of the above such as the non-alignment movement which was established in 1961 and its main emphasis was to the advancement of developing countries obviously during the Cold War and within its first three years of its inception it helped to reinforce democracy and improve international relations and it has 120 country members and it's still going to this day now these countries express none of the above they simply reserve the right to just operate for the betterment of their countries so it was attempted you know in terms of trying to make improvements within countries this was something that they did attempt to do you know but it's only now with the emergence of the BRICS where Western influence, Western dominance and Western power for the first time has been rivaled and we can see countries moving in the direction of the de-dollarization or as we call it um, opting out of the dollar being the world's reserve currency now with an already uh, crippling economy of America being in 31 trillion dollars in debt 
that coupled with the fact that we are seeing a surge of increase of nations opting to buy petroleum or petrochemicals in their own respective currencies this ultimately essentially we are looking at the fall of the dollar it's not a question of um, uh, how it's a matter of when these sentiments that have been brewing around the globe is causing a fear of a rise in not only Africa but of developing nations so I just wanted to bring your attention to that bring your attention to the realization that um, uh, you know countries particularly those labels third world countries have been uh, on the rise with, with improvements of GDP uh, gross domestic product uh, with improvements of um, you know better trading agreements that the BRICS have brought to the table and the reintroduction of a new asset-backed currency which is being introduced by the BRICS which is being facilitated by the new development bank or NDB which is the banking organization of the BRICS which is basing its currency on an asset-backed uh, system as opposed to a fiat currency which isn't backed up by anything at all it's merely backed up by thin air has no value so we can clearly see where things are heading we also are seeing an increase in conflicts particularly taking place within the Ukraine we've also seen turbulence brewing up within uh, West Africa with the Francophone nations as they are standing in their power standing in their truth and reaffirming their sovereignty as Africans reserving the right to self-governance you would think it sort of um, strange of the dependence that France has on Africa that it would have fairer tools of trade fairer tools of um, a working relationship considering how much they depend upon Africa you would think there would be something better in position but again if we look at the state of these African nations within East Africa who are, that being the Francophone nations countries such as Togo you know, Niger, we haven't seen much development, which is something the Nigerians have been complaining about for decades. They're simply asking and have asked for a better deal, and they haven't been getting it. So now they've had enough, and this is where we are at the present. Countries have simply had enough. So I wanted to impart that to you this morning and to just get you to think of the current sentiments of this new surged fear now like I've demonstrated there's always been a fear with western nations but on this particular journey of this particular period of our lives we can clearly see there is 
an imminent fear of a rise in African nations. I just wanted to bring that to your attention. So I wanted to leave that with you to ponder on, to think about that and to think about where you are within all this as a member of the diaspora and how you see yourself within all this and you know to think about your part in this I just want to leave that with you so I wish you an amazing day until the next time on the Agent Africa podcast thanks for listening